Welcome to Emron's Podcast, episode number 54. This is your host, Suman Silwal. Don't overdo it. People get into They go out and start too quick, go too far, and end up injuring themselves, not being able to run. This episode is brought to you by Southeastern Trail Runs. Visit mruns.com to get 5% discount on all Southeastern Trail Run races, including Trail Series, Birmingham Stage Race, Blood Rock, and more. Please subscribe to Emron's podcast, Voice of Runners, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and more. I'd like to welcome David Toss and Mary Jo Toss to Emron's podcast today. Um, I'm actually in, at their house, had, had up some beer now, and uh, and they're hosting me here, and uh, decided to do on, on location podcast uh, interview. So just wanted to say hello. How are you doing, David? Doing well. How are you doing, Suman? Yeah, have you recovered from uh, Lake Martin preview run we did? Mostly. <laughs> I was rather tired after 25 miles last night. If you don't know David in Birmingham and Mary Jo in Birmingham, that means you have not run trails. They are a big part of the trail running. David did not put me in the trail, but he, he kept me in the trail because there were, there were a point in my trail running that I was about to give up. <laughs> but uh, he continuously mentor me and uh, kept me on the trail with the trail southeastern trail trail runs and all the other races and part being a part of the event david uh before we uh, t- start talking about a lot a lot of races you put for a southeastern trail trail race tell us uh, about how how do you how did your passion for trail running uh, started um, tell us about that well i was one of those people that had been running literally all my life uh, ever since junior high, I was a distance runner. So back in the late 70s, I got into road running and really enjoyed it, got serious about it, ran a lot of races, lots of marathons, 10Ks, 50Ks. And by the time I was, I guess, in my early 50s, I was so burned out on running on roads, I just quit. And which is the problem is I'm very competitive. And I don't like being beaten. And all of a sudden, all the people I had always been able to outrun started outrunning me. So, uh, so I quit. I decided to start bike riding and things like that. Realized that I really wasn't a very good bike rider either. And then at one point, Mary Jo and I went to Colorado to run a run called the Imogene Pass Run. And it starts in a little town called Uray, over a 13,000 foot pass down into Telluride. And to this day, it's the most spectacular run I have ever done and my favorite. And that did it. I like forget the roads. This is what I'm running from here on. David, I have run many of your races that you, you have put it out uh, for a while. Uh, one of the things we know that you like to put us through the mountains and hills, even in a flat land, almost a flat land in Birmingham. So I guess where did that comes from? I guess going out in Colorado, is that how it works? I guess. I, my parents used to go to Colorado when I was young, and all I wanted to do was go climb mountains. And I guess that's where it comes from. I still love the more mountainous, the better, of course. And, you know, we don't have 14,000-foot mountains here in Birmingham, but we do have a an extremely difficult little 600-foot mountain. And so I just make the most of that little mountain that we can. So in, in, on those mountains, you you make us climb over and over to make it 18,000. Is that how right, it works? Right, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, especially during the Blood Rock uh, event, it felt like it was it was some big mountains I'm climbing. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's great that uh, the way you lay out the course 
and the way you do uh, for, for this event um, is really fantastic. But most of the time, whenever you do this uh, set up the course, you, you are by yourself doing this, correct? Yes. So how does that work for you? Because you, you spend quite a amount of time laying out the course, thinking about the course, running those course, and um, actually before the event, putting those flags. Well, it, it helps to know the courses very well because I live, I've always lived really close to Oak Mountain State Park. Park's 10,000 acres, uh, which, you know, for state, it's the biggest state park in the state, in Alabama. And so it gives us a real advantage of, of having just a, a beautiful area to put on races. Uh, the mountain's very rugged and there's, I believe, something in excess of 55, 58 miles of trails out there. So there's, you know, lots of options. And um, when I started thinking about originally doing races, I would just start looking, well, let's see, we want to do a nice, easy beginner runs. Where, where are we going to do that? So that's why, where the Tranquility Run came came from. It's, you know, not not too hilly, not too difficult to terrain, and it's a, a short loop. And that's pretty much what I did. Just because I knew the trails so well, I could, if I wanted to accomplish a certain level of difficulty, I pretty well knew what I needed to put in, and then I'd go out and run it and measure it and adjust from there. So, David, I remember um, back in, I didn't even I didn't even know you and you were a race director, but I remember that a friend of mine at work, uh, he mentioned that there's a, there's a 12 hour run coming up, uh, in, in May. And I was thinking, who wanted to run 12 hours? So, so I think that was your first event out in uh, Hoover, correct? Right. Uh, that was the run for kids challenge. It's a fundraiser for Camp Smile a Mile. And then after the, the earthquake in Nepal in 2015, we, uh, Working with Suman added the a portion of the funds would go to uh, relief for Nepal. And then as of this year, we've joined up with the Seven Summits Foundation and we are giving people an option on our registration form to request that their donations. I mean, the, the entire race fee goes to Camp Smile Mile as it was set up originally, but now we're giving them the option to donate the money to Camp Smile a Mile, to Nepal, or split it between the two. Thanks for that. I, I really, we really appreciate, uh, I, I remember that when Nepal earthquake happened, it was a week after I was running 12 hour, uh, run for kid. It was really great. You supported that. Thanks for that. Uh, but as we continue, uh, talking about some of the race you, you set up here in town, um, that was your first race, and that's when you decided that we want to do more, correct? Well, not really. <laughs> um, we, I, I wanted to do, I had done a, ride, a bike ride called the Ride of Love that starts in Tuscaloosa, goes 150 miles, and ends at Camp Smile Mile on Lake, Mountain, Lake Martin, which interestingly enough is right across the bridge from where the Lake Martin 100 takes place. But that just happens. <laughs> well, actually, what, it, what that is is that the Russell family built Camp Smile Mile. They built Camp, the Children's Harbor, which is for kids with cancer, and which, of course, is what Camp Smile Mile is. So that kind of ties together. But that was really all we wanted to do. And we just did that race. The first year was horrible. Um, we did it on Memorial Day weekend, and it was 103 degrees that afternoon. And the, it was at Veterans Park by Spain Park High School in Hoover. And it's almost totally exposed to the sun. And 
people literally dying. I was concerned about some people. It was a very unpleasant day. But we then we moved it to Oak Mountain the next year because it's a little shadier out there. And that was really our only intent was to do that race just because I couldn't do the ride of love anymore. It's very difficult to do it. You have to have all your, you have to manage to get yourself to the start and back from a hundred and hundred miles the other direction. It's just a very difficult race to do. And we had a lot going on. So, um, I asked Camp Smile a Mile if they would be interested in us doing a run for them. And they were, of course, were thrilled with the idea. So that was where it started. And then about 2013 or so, I went up to run the Chattanooga Stage Race. And on the way home, Mary Jo was talking about how much fun it was and that we needed to do a race in Birmingham like that. So we thought, okay, well, let's see, where could we do it? And we thought, well, we have three mountains. We have Ruffner Mountain, we have Red Mountain, and we have Oak Mountain. And so that was the, the logical choices. And uh, so we set that rate up, race up and actually put it together in probably in four months. We this got that race put together. It wasn't very good the first year, and we weren't very good at doing it, but we got it done. <laughs> so that and then it just kind of like, well, if we're doing this, then let's add a series. You know, yeah. it just grew. It's not intentional. Definitely. Um, I remember your stage race. Some of my running buddy, Bill Woody, and a couple of other, they ran. And I was like, they were, it was a crazy idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who is going to do this thing three days? But anyway, I have come a long way in this whole story. Also, I grew up with the Southeastern Trail Series being a trail runner. Um, I remember then, as you, as the story goes, I remember when you set up the, the series, the first series, when you set it up, Bill Woody, he emailed me and said, hey, anybody, are you interested in doing this? I said, who wants to do seven trail running in seven months, especially some of them in hot summer with the, with the snakes and ticks on the, on the trail? There's no way I was going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and let me interrupt. Guess who has won it? What? Three times in a row, <laughs> Suman has won the series, so <laughs> he did quite well. My my first year was just an accidental. Yeah, was just just happened to be uh, um, when you started that series. Finally decided to get it going. Um, I remember my first uh, first first time when you had that. Uh, I went out just to take a picture. I didn't want to run a trail. There was there was I think I had another race coming up, so. I didn't. I didn't. I was. I didn't participate on mm-hmm. on that race at all. But but I think I have run almost every one of them <laughs> for the last four years. I, I, well, I actually think the first the first time you came out was for the run for kids, as I recall, because I I remember doing a little quick interview about it, and I was like, "Who is that? Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. do they want to know all this?" So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the that was the that was the first when you did the second year the run run for kids. That's that's when when we met. Yeah, so, that so that, uh-huh. uh, that's when when we met. And I I have heard about you back then, and and but didn't never never our path never crossed because I was not even a trail runner. So. As you progress uh, over over the years, you have many added and many many races and many many events. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, tell us about. Uh, I think the recent uh, addition to this, some of the boot runs you have done at at, at uh, for the fundraising, as well as um, you 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 adding the blood rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we we let's talk about that and and then we we'll, let's talk about the series as we go forward. Go okay. The, the boot run is partly because one of our runners, actually several of our runners, have a connection to 
Down syndrome. Uh, one of our good friends and runners has a Down syndrome child and or young adult, I guess now. And he asked us one day if we would be interested in doing a run. Well, of course, we said, sure. And so we started talking to the Alabama Down Syndrome Association and put this race together. And uh, this was our second year to do it, which it just about doubled and just about killed us because we learned that when you're doing a, a, a 5K and a 10K for mostly road runners, everybody shows up to register the morning of the race, which we, <laughs> we, we were not prepared for that. Most trail runners sign up in advance and a few people wander in. But uh, anyway, it's just it's it's a fun event. It's it's right around. It's always the uh, Halloween weekend. So we have a costume contest. Everybody dresses up. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the Down Syndrome individuals all, a lot of them run in costumes. We have a one-mile fun run, which is the only one of those we do. And it's just a fun event to put together. And the weekend before that is another run that we've just recently started, the Endless Mile, which is another one of those things that people look at it like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of but it's a 12 24 and 48 hour event and that was new this year and that turned out to be one of the most fun events we've ever done which is surprising just because of the nature of the run but and it sounds extremely boring but everybody that ran it had more fun it's just it's just a unique experience because you're always around people people are always yelling and cheering for you in the middle of the night we're out there ringing the the cowbell and you know it's just a it's a neat race and then blood rock sort of grew out of the original the culminating event of our trail series which the series itself builds from april with a 306 mile on a relatively easy course that's the tranquility course all the way through the through memorial day through july and august where we're running um the Hotter and Hell Race, which is a nine and an eighteen mile course, then in late August the Ridge to Blazing Ridges, which is a ten and a half and twenty one mile brutal, absolutely brutal course. That's the one that kills everybody. Then in September the stage race, and then the final race of the season has was originally Tranquility, which was a relatively easy for this part of the country fifty k. But at, we've learned that most trail runners don't really like easy races they like really difficult races so we decided okay let's make the blood rock course as, as hard as we absolutely can the park was thrilled over the idea uh oak mountain state park gave us permission to use some of the earliest park trails one of them is called the the far end back trail one's called the rim walk east these are trails that have not been maintained in years very few people know about them uh and we were allowed to use them, so I got out there and cleaned them up. But they also gave us permission to go off the back side of the mountain, down the, um, I guess it would be the southeast side of the mountain, which I mean, there are no trails back there. And they allowed us to use a road, an old wagon road, which we found out really is a wagon road because we uncovered uh, the remains of where the wooden part of the wagon wheel had rotted away and just left the metal components uh, and then come back up. So we what we've ended up with now as i went out and measured part of it just in the last few days because uh, we've made a couple of adjustments to eliminate an outback section is a run that's going to be a little over 50 miles per lap and going to have 20,000 at least 20 uh, 10,300 feet of elevation gain per lap and uh, then it 
also last year this was a 50 mile next year it's 100 mile so it's going to be a fun event david i did decide to run the blood rock last year part part of the series but i did not uh take on the 50 miler my friends they were running 50 miler they were pretty much amazed all the courses that you have all the things you have found in oak mountain and we live and 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 run and breathe in oak mountain but some of these courses that we have never seen it and never been how do you manage to find those kind of courses? i like to explore and I, i'm not a, a crazy about hiking but i love to go explore where there isn't where people haven't been and i've been going off the back of the mountain for years finding out where the subdivisions are back there, you know, trying to figure out where I am. Now it's so much easier with GPS. You can pull your phone out and, you know, be sure you're actually in the park still because it's very easy to wander out of bounds back there. Um, I, I love doing that. And when I'm doing that, I find stuff that's just amazing, like what we nicknamed Barkley Hill, just this ridiculous climb that I had to run 600 feet of, of rope so people could get up it. Uh, there's just so much stuff out there like that, that that very few people ever see and i kind of like letting people know it's there it just is it's something I, I i get a lot of pleasure out of people going and finding neat stuff like that definitely uh, those of you who don't know oak mountain oak mountain is uh, about 10 13 miles south of uh, Birmingham, Alabama. It's, even though you feel like middle of nowhere, it's it's, it's pretty close to the city and the highways. Uh, <laughs> and you you hear the trains passing and so on. And you, I, most of the time, you can get get the cells receptions and everything. But but overall, finding those cores is it's amazing because we have grown to love and hate the yellow white connector that you that you put us through <laughs> i'm glad you found more of those hills out there <laughs> so, so as you as you progress on on, on your setting of the course and uh, trying to trying to find the hills and and the valleys and so on is there more to discover at, at oak mountain i mean i i don't know anywhere else i could I'd have to make trails, and I don't think the park would go along for that. The trails I've used were there. The roads I used were there. I have to occasionally connect because over the years, these old trails have changed some. Uh, you know, a big tree falls down where you can no longer use the trail, so people make routes around and where there'll be one, one trail running across a ridge, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and when you find it, there's three. So I consolidated trails like that. Um, but really there's not I, there. Well, I take that back. There is a section I could use around one of the, the fishing lakes. There's trails back there and there's roads back there, but that's good. That would make the course too long. And besides that, the trails are flat. So don't need flat trails. <laughs> <laughs> that will not qualify for anything for you. <laughs> Unless we're doing a run for kids because run for kids is the, the easiest trail that you can find at right. the, it I think, is at the elevation for a whole 12 hours not not more than 200 feet or something yeah. like that however i will say that the the section around that fishing lake even though it's flat is really hard to run it's it's not it's a as one of the park directors called a bandit trail so it's not maintained and it's just it's terrible running conditions so that's not going to be a run for kids course definitely tell us about uh what is the difficult part of doing all this that's what you do you you are you and mary Jo are our entity of your own <laughs> and you spend a whole lot of time doing all these things for us tell us what is the difficult part well marking the trails sometimes is pretty difficult um 
if it's rained and you can get the flags in the ground, it's not too bad. I can make about about two miles an hour marking the trails because, first of all, you've got to put the flags out, put signs out, and then when I do an intersection, I go back and say, okay, is there any way anybody can miss this? And I, no, so I'm, I'm backing up and looking at it, and it's a slow process. But, like, this year when we were setting up, like, the stage race and we were setting up Blood Rock, it hadn't rained for months to speak of. It was like trying to set flags in a cement parking lot. And every single flag, I would have to poke four or five or six times. Sometimes I couldn't find a place to put a flag and I'd have to go somewhere else and try it again. And I I don't even want to know what my mileage, (laughs) my pace was because it was just, it just took forever. But that, that was difficult. Um, Mary Jo has to deal with the aid stations and getting all the food together, which is fortunate because I'd be a disaster at that. I can go set flags, but the food end of it, I'm, I'm clueless. So I stay away from that. And I know she's puts a lot of hours back. She's just said tomorrow's schedule involves making a whole lot of Santa Fe soup for Lake Martin, which is still a month away. <laughs> so, cause we go through so much Santa Fe soup, like gallons of it. Um, other than that, one of, one of the hardest parts is for races, especially the longer ones, Lake Martin, Blood Rock, Endless Mile, because um, basically I don't sleep. I get so psyched up at the races. And so at like Endless Mile, which was a 48-hour race, well, I'd already been up all day um, or way before. I don't know what time I got out there, maybe 5.30 or 6 in the morning setting up. It's still dark. And I just, I don't sleep. I can't go to sleep. So, you know, basically for 48 hours, uh, I did take one nap Saturday night, no, Friday night, and one nap for about 45 minutes sometime during the day Saturday. And I was awakened or I was aware I was hearing Christmas music. And I wasn't sure if I had died. <laughs> or, I was like, I heard, I hear Christmas music. And finally, I woke up enough and it was gone. And what it was, it was an ice cream truck. Now, why they were playing Christmas music, I don't know. But anyway, just, it, you know, you kind of, your mind does funny things. But the physical hours that you put in, especially in the longer races, is it's hard to deal with. And it takes a while to get over. Lake Martin's the same thing. I mean, we won't sleep about two and a half days before the race, other than the two hours or three hours we sleep Friday night. It's a little, little difficult on you, but it's so much fun. It's worth it. Definitely. And as much as you do a lot of things, and Mary Jo does, and um, you, you, have a, you also have managed to get a lot of volunteers. Uh, we, have big, we have a big group of volunteers from Butts, uh, most of my Butts friends out there. So let's talk about a little bit about the volunteers in Birmingham, the spirit of volunteering. Well, I've run 800s all over the country, many of them out west, including the Level 100, Wasatch 100, uh, Tahoe Rim Trail 100, and I've never encountered any volunteers anywhere like the Birmingham Ultra Trail Society volunteers. First of all, almost all of them are either ultra runners or trail runners or are married to ultra runners and trail runners. They know what trail runners need. They love trail running. And I mean, they're the most enthusiastic bunch of people you will ever encounter. And it's so much fun to go run. They, they help with some of the other local races that occasionally I get to run. And it's so much, I mean, you look forward miles out I'm almost to the Butts Eight station. It's just, <laughs> it's it's so much, it's so much fun. They're just incredible and work so hard, stay up so many hours because 
their whole purpose is to get the runners through the race. And you go to a run like, and I'm, I don't mean to take anything away from runs like Tahoe because they had some great volunteers that enjoyed what they were doing, but the enthusiasm Butts had, of uh, the enthusiasm Butts has is not matched or certainly never outdone by anybody. And it, we're just, we're so thrilled and feel so honored to have such an incredible group of, of volunteers and runners and people right here. We love it. Definitely. Um, one of the, one of the, my podcast guests, Megan, Megan Hicks talks about building a trail running community around your volunteers and have a character of it. Um, your, your, your community as well as your race. And uh, that makes a great event for people to enjoy it as well as makes in the long term makes, makes a great race for everybody. I think that's what the Buds and then the Friends of Buds, they have done it uh, here. We have done it here. And I, I, f- I feel proud about that. So oh, we do, too. We just I mean, we love Buds. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt they are. They are the best. Some of my friends, uh, Jimmy Burns, Sam, Sam, they have gone through some of the <laughs> some of the things they had to go through whenever I ran most of the uh, races <laughs> on the trail series last four years. Well, the thing is, though, when Suman's running, he lets them know ahead what he wants. <laughs> so, so they're ready. Okay, here comes someone. Got to get this, you know, whatever it is. So. <laughs> we also have a, a great uh, cook out there, my competitor, runner. He cooks for us as well. Logan Cook, he's, he's out there always cooking. And uh, he's, he has been a great part of the uh, Southeastern Trail Series as well. Can you talk about him a little bit, what he does for, for Southeastern Trail Series? Well, that that's another, that's kind of like, well, of course, he's part of Butts. But having Logan has just been such an incredible asset for our races because, first of all, he's a, we call him Logan Chef, not Logan Cook. He's just such, he's such an incredible cook. He does great barbecue. He does great chicken wings, anything, whatever it is, it's awesome. And he, bring, he pulls his big smoker out there and sets it up cooks all day originally his plan was to run the races and kind of kind of stop by and, and work on it every now and then well he makes a lap or two in the longer races and that's it he's back cooking the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the day but i know everybody really appreciates this because his food is so good and i just remember one of the pictures that i've posted repeatedly he's standing there holding the the cooker open at at blood rock and there's these racks of ribs in there that everybody just devours and i do my share of <laughs> getting rid of them <laughs> they're great definitely he, he makes a lot of veggie burgers for me um as we look forward for 2017 what, what do you have for us to look forward lake martin is up pretty soon maybe this interview will release after lake martin so um, anything in the trail series. Let's talk about a little bit about the trail series for 2017. I know I have retired myself here, I will tell you, but <laughs> you, you know, I'll, I'll mess you up and run some of the races. But let's talk about uh, what you have up for the 2017. Well, for one thing, Suman feels sorry for everybody that hadn't been able to compete with him, so he's going to give everybody else a chance. So, <laughs> but uh, the. We're really excited about the series this year. Um, it, it's grown so much over the last couple of years. One of the di- additions we made last year about mid-season was adding uh, RFID chip timing for all the races. Just 
to make the results a little more precise and be sure we don't miss anybody because, you know, doing it manually, occasionally somebody gets by that doesn't get recorded. And the, the series is going to be about the same. We're using the same races, the same same schedule. We try to stay on the same weekend for the, for the races. Um, I'm not planning on changing any of the courses uh, except for Blood Rock, which has had a number of very minor adjustments. Nothing that really is going to make a significant effect in the course. Most people won't even notice, except we've eliminated a, a repeated section. But in general, it's going to be just the same course it's been the last four years, three years, four years. One thing, last year we were excited about Blood Rock is that the 50 mile was the RRCA state championship race. Well, after talking to Alex Morrow, our state representative, we decided that we should switch the state championship ultra to the 50k because it opens it up to more competitors because uh, anybody that can run a, fi- a marathon can run a 50k it's just that simple uh, a 50 mile kind of moves people into a different a different realm so it, it gives us a chance to be the state rrca champion ultra runner uh would be available to a lot more people definitely uh you did mention about a lot of things being the same but for sure one thing is not going to be the same that we're going to have a blood rock 100 which is going to be uh, makes a lot of us excited and nervous at the same time <laughs> knowing the course what you have put it out for this year so i assume that the course itself is going to be double loop yes um uh, we as best I, like i say as best i can tell the course i, I still haven't actually going out and I've got to go rerun the entire course. I want to get the GPS readings, which are generally off about four and a half, five percent on my particular watch. Um, It's going to be very close to 50 miles, the best I can tell, which means the course is actually going to be over a 50 mile loop and then two laps make the the hundred um we've like i said we've made some changes in the course um i'm going to make a change in the power line section uh that's of no significance except it's going to be a not going to have to cut down somebody's driveway this year (laughs) so (laughs) other than that there won't be any any real noticeable changes in it um we're moving a couple of the aid stations to make things a little simpler um, that's pretty much it. Definitely. Um, Blood Rock is uh, eight, nine months away. And as we get closer to Blood Rock and Blood Rock 150, 27, Fun Run, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever you decide to run, we'll talk about more, have more videos and run this course. And so that everybody in town will get used to. But one thing about, I'll just want to mention, uh, those of you thinking about Blood Rock, it's, uh, it's going to be very crew friendly. Um, eight, eight station will be very close and it's, uh, it's pretty close to the city. Everything is going to be very like your family can stay, uh, less than five miles from, from the whole course. And, you know, my house is not, not more than three, four miles. So, you know, <laughs> I can always go home and take a nap or something, but, but everything is going to be close. So it's, it's going to be nice. So and I'm, yeah. we're still nervous, but, uh, David, as, as we move in forward, Talking about, I would, I would like to ask some of the personal questions. Uh, I'll call it spring round, but I'll go ahead and let's just put this out out there, so that people will know. We'll, we and um, so we may find some of the things that we haven't talked about. It. Let's do that, David. You ready for that? Sure. Uh, what type of shoes do you wear? Uh, Hoka's. Hoka's. You 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 sold on Hoka's. I started using those right after Mountain High, who's uh, those that don't know Mountain High Outfitters is our 
named sponsor for all our races, all our events, and has been since the very first one, and uh, which we're thrilled. Then they brought uh, Solomon and Suntu in, uh, so we're, we're thrilled to have them. And but I tried out uh, Mountain High, let you take out a pair of Hoka's and, and try them. So I put on a pair and I thought, okay, these are great. So that's <laughs> I have not run into anything else since. What type of GPS device do you use for your um, running? Uh, since they're one of our sponsors, I have a Sun 2 Elevation Watch. Uh, who inspires you? Um, my first real inspiration was watching the Olympics in Munich. I believe it's when it was, when Frank Shorter, who no American, I'd always loved the Olympics, even since a, a child. I have no idea why, including the Winter Olympics, which back then I didn't even know what a skiing was about. But I remember hearing that Frank Shorter was in the lead of the marathon, and I went in and watched him come into the Olympic Stadium and be booed because uh, they were boo- actually booing an imposter that had run in early. Mm. And then he finished. People realized, oh, he was. They started cheering him. Then when they realized that the real winner was in, and I found that just so amazing that an, Amer- an American won the marathon. That I, it just it inspired me. It made me want to go run. I probably went out and ran that afternoon. I mean, I was already a runner, but not <laughs> not like that. And that I just that's one moment that I remember. Another was my very first marathon in 1979 probably and it was the panama city marathon uh actually it was called the barks root beer something marathon i forget what it was called i actually found my medal the other day um and i had finished and i was waiting for some of the other guys that i had driven over from mobile to, to recover so we could drive back home and i heard all this cheering and i went over to kind of see what it was and they announced that so and so 74 years old was finishing and he was finishing in like you know four hours and 20 minutes or something and i remember thinking when i'm that old i want to be able to do that and that really that's the two moments that i remember that really inspired me just because for one thing i had no idea anybody in their 70s could run anything much less finish a marathon and so that's kind of what got me going definitely uh david um you still run hundred miles and and recently you ran Pinhoti one hundred. So you you do you do inspire a lot of people for what you do. You, you know that. You know, I want to do it as long as I can. I mean, I know at some point I'm not going to be able to make the cutoffs. It was it was close at Pinhoti, but I'm I'm still trying. <laughs> then I'll start doing the the timed events. The timed events, yeah. Jimmy Byrne will li- like that one. He need a trip. He, he need a partner to go along with. We, his, we can go run them together. <laughs> yeah, he has he has asked me many many times. Um, talking about that, um, what is your best running advice have you ever received? Mostly, I mean, most of what I have learned in the early days, I used to read um, Bill Rogers marathoning his book called marathoning i I read that uh i believe frank shorter had a had a book i read you know because it was kind of you know for for somebody that ran a mile trying to turn around the idea of running 26 miles was almost an incomprehensible feat then um when i started actually running ultras trying to figure out how to do these things i got on the internet and started looking up things and one of the first places i found was i run far which you just recently did an interview with uh, mm-hmm. with them, and I started. Re- they had they had a, a list of all kinds of 
things you needed to know and needed to do if you were going to run 100 miles. And so I, I went through those, and those are probably some of the best sources of information, plus Ultra Running Magazine. I subscribe to that, and they have a lot of a lot of articles on this, that, and the other. And we also advertise in Ultra Running. And um, anyway, that's been, that's been very helpful also. Is there a race that you have not run that you like to run? I, I guess a hard rock. <laughs> <laughs> One I would like to finish is hard rock. <laughs> so, um, not really. I mean, there's a lot of races I would love to run, but... Um, the only one that I was ever, I guess you could consider obsessed with, was hard rock, and then I got in and blew it. So, you know, if I ever get in hard rock, I'll enjoy it. But from from here on, it's just like like what I've signed up for this year. It's just I want to go do it, so I'll go run it. And you know, it's it's not as important as it was, but uh, it's it's more going to do the event than what the results will be. Definitely. David, um, you have a fast experience running, setting the events, trail running, you have done road running, you've been running for a very long time. I would just like you to give a word of advice to all the runners, beginner runners, veterans on like that, like us, to continue and uh, to look forward for beyond their limit. That's what you have done. And not only running, you have gone beyond running. Give a word of advice. Well, mainly is don't overdo it because that's one of the biggest problems people get into. They go out and start too quick, go too far, and end up injuring themselves, not being able to run. And, I mean, I hate to see that. We have, with Lake Martin every year, we have a number of people that let me know that they, they've got to either drop down or drop out and defer their, their race till the next year because they've have a knee injury, they've got this or that or the other, and a lot of it is just trying to push. There's a lot of guides on how to how to build up your distance in a very steady, very methodical way, and you just no matter even no matter how strong you feel, you can't go beyond. If you do, you'll get yourself in trouble. And it's mainly just just take your time. Don't be in too big a hurry. To, don't don't skip from a marathon to trying to do a hundred miles. <laughs> Go do it in steps. Learn what you need to, to know. There's a whole lot of stuff to know before you go try to run a hundred. Just, I mean, simple things like what can I eat? What's going to make me sick? How do I avoid getting sick? And some of us, after all these years, still are dealing with that. It's just, there's just so much to learn. You just need to do it in, in slow, methodical steps and you set a goal and you're not going to be able to make it this year, say, fine, I'm going to do it and make that goal next year. That sounds like a great word of advice, David. And uh, thanks for everything you do, you have done to me and um, to keep me on trail. Uh, I'm still on the road, but and, um, and help a lot of people here in and around Birmingham and Southeast. So you're very welcome. I'm still on the road, too, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We'll, we'll see you soon at Lake Martin. And, and beyond. Have you donated to my Boston Big Sur Challenge? If not, please visit mrunscom forward slash B number to B to learn more about Culture City and my quest to run Boston and Big Sur. Thanks for your kind donation. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emruns Podcast. Please subscribe to Emruns Podcast channel, Voice of Runners. Also, follow mruns.com's social media handle, Marathon Runs, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for recent updates, photos, and more.